Kevin Pankhurst. And I'm Donna Carter. And you're listening to Grow on the Go. So how are you doing? I'm tired. Yeah. And I know I always say that. I, I've tried really hard over the last season anyway to not say it as much, but, but you are. now I'm very tired. Okay. Yeah. yeah, in this moment I'm very tired. So you went through a little bit of a season of unemployment. You're back at work again. Y- yeah, I mean it was barely a season of unemployment. Well, it was short. It like was a couple weeks. I technically mm. Yeah, I think technically for a week I was unemployed totally, but I was building various resources to regain employment. Right. Um, so I was still working. I just wasn't being paid for it. Um, and then, yeah, I started doing contract work like the next week. And then I, and the next week you had a job, but you weren't starting it. Yeah. The, the next week I, well, yeah, I had contract work for like a month maybe a month and a half and then then I started full-time. and you're also rehearsing for a musical theater yeah production. that just started this week yeah I'm doing that I'm also making clothes mm-hmm. there's no timeline on that I just I have a tendency to make clothes for a season at the very end of that season so I'm, I'm trying to get a little bit ahead of the, ahead of the game yeah so you're not going to wear your your coat dress in the yeah, summer I made a dress it's based on a like Kirtle, like maybe a 1460s kirtle. Kirtle? Yeah, it's an underdress. Is that like a coat with a girdle? Mm, I mean, yeah, honestly, it's not that far off. Oh. It's a dress, and the this is before the days of um, corsets and before the days of stays, which came before corsets. It's So the, the bust was quite fitted for support. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Also, real quick. Real quick, this is not what this show's about, but I do think this is important to me and probably not to you. Um, <laughs> corsetry is not nearly as oppressive as it is made to seem, and it never really was. Um, were there people who tight-laced in the Victorian era? Yes, there absolutely were. Just like there are people that go get like a Brazilian butt lift, despite the fact that it has the highest mortality rate of any... Um, plastic any plastic surgery? surgery? Really? Yeah. I mean, that's uh, look, trust I, me. I've looked into. It. I wasn't even sure. I I don't even know what a Brazilian butt lift is. They but... take body fat from somewhere on your body and put it in your button hips. Oh, which is a great solution, but right, just re- can kill you. Well, yeah. Like my sister Debbie used to say she was going to buy a push-up bra and start at her ankles. <laughs> <laughs> but same idea. Yeah, but. Mm-hmm. Corsetry is portrayed as this evil, oppressive thing, but it, like, functionally, it really wasn't to change your shape. It was to smooth out your shape, so it was like shapewear, and support your bust. I'm a a good friend of shapewear. And support your bust. So if you consider corsetry, or we, I shouldn't say you, if we, as a society, consider corsetry oppressive, we should also consider spanks and bras oppressive that's been done and i don't totally disagree with that but hey guess what we're still doing it so anyway corsets aren't nearly as dangerous or awful as people said and of course it was primarily men who perpetuated this who'd never worn the stinking things and also um 
the studies that people refer to are ones from the Victorian era when newer studies have proven them wrong. And okay. also, if it's before the Victorian era, uh, it wasn't it wasn't corset; it was stays. Okay. Well, I'm glad you got that off off your chest. Uh, uh, honestly, it's more people need to know. Okay. <laughs> well. I actually have a segue. Do you? I do. Love that. I know. Um, because we're going to talk about the yoke that uh, Jesus makes for us. Yeah. Which also can be thought of as oppressive, but it's really not. Yeah. And so a yoke, are you mm. going to go into this or should we talk yeah. about it now? Well, I'm going to go into that. Okay, go into it then. Yeah. So um, Jesus extends an invitation to us in Matthew uh, 11, 8. Uh, 28 to 30. Easy for you to say. No, it really wasn't. Are you tired? Worn out? <laughs> yes, we've established this. <laughs> Burned out on religion? Also that, to some degree. Yeah. Come to me. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Mm -hmm. Keep company with me. And you'll learn to live freely and lightly. So this is a rendition of words uh, that Jesus said that's been paraphrased, paraphrased to make sense of it in our culture. It's from sure. the message. Um, but that's got to be the best offer we've had all day. Living freely and lightly? Sign me up. Yeah. But what does it really mean? And to figure that out, let's read a literal translation from the aromatic language that Jesus spoke. Aromatic? Aramaic? Aramaic, sorry. Aromatic? Aromatic. 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 Yes, and I was like, very, that's a very fragrant That's not language. the same thing. <laughs> no, it's not. Thank you for catching that. Um, so here it is. Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I'm humble and gentle, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke fits perfectly, and the burden I give you is light. So... The part about the yoke tells us a lot when we realize what it would have meant to Jesus' original agrarian agri mm -hmm. listeners. Having a hard, hard time with words today. You doing okay, buddy? <laughs> so they would have known, Jesus' listeners would have known that a yoke is like the heavy wooden harness that fits over the shoulders of a pair of oxen. Mm -hmm. To, could then to be, plow fields. Yeah, and... could then be hitched to a cart or a plow. Now, doesn't that sound restful? <coughs> I'm sorry. Pardon me. Um, yeah, so you're thinking, oh, well, yeah, that sounds really, really restful. Yeah. I was just thinking the other day, I'd sure feel better if someone would just hitch me up to a plow, right? Yeah. But let's not miss the significance of this offer. It's an invitation into a relationship, a partnership in which I am voluntarily yoked to Jesus, who you remember described himself in this passage as mm -hmm. humble and gentle, by a yoke of love. He's basically saying, you were never meant to plow through life alone. Mm -hmm. Some of our struggle um, under the weight of our anxiety or our exhaustion is because we're trying to pull a load meant for two. Oh, totally. Look, life is... <laughs> At the, at the risk of being a little nihilistic, life is hard, mm -hmm. no matter who you are. And At some point. It might not be right ways. now. Well, yeah, but like... And you might not have experienced it yet, but you will. But look, like, 
I think everyone at some point, and maybe not, maybe, maybe this is just the, I tend towards melancholy in me, but like, I think at some point everyone is going to wake up and go, oh, how many days are there going to be? Like, it's a lot and it's exhausting. So let's not pretend that like the alternative to what God is offering us is like no work because it's work. It's work either way. For sure. And and our desire for independence from God and autonomy from him is actually killing us. Mm-hmm. Right? So the same Jesus who invites you to share your load with him created you. He knows you weren't designed to handle the stresses and worries of life on your own. And so he extends this invitation. Come, take my yoke. And I want us to notice that the decision to take the yoke is entirely up to us. No one is going to force this yoke on us, least of all Jesus, who, remember, describes himself in this passage as humble and gentle. Jesus' listeners would have understood that yoke, um, that a yoke is always a symbol of submission and service. Mm -hmm. I mean, at some point, every critter, every yoked, surrendered its will, surrendered its whole self to its master. Now, Before you get your back up on this, let's look at what it is that Jesus wants to teach us when he says, let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus is saying, I want to free you from people's expectations, from the demands of meaningless activity, from your weariness, searching for something in life that really satisfies, Mm -hmm. that really matters. I want to teach you how to live dependent on me. Mm-hmm. I offer you unconditional love, the kind you don't have to perform for. The rest I bring is healing and results in peace with God. Mm-hmm. My yoke fits perfectly, and the burden I give you is, is like I custom made this yoke for you. Yeah. Like farmers would actually do that. They would custom make a yoke for their oxen so it would fit well so it wouldn't chafe and that the oxen would be able to tolerate the 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 yoke for longer times Mm -hmm. jesus is saying i made you and i custom make this yoke for you the burdens we share we can manage easily together um our family does used to do a lot of biking not as much but do you remember being pulled by dad's bike first of all in that little trailer yeah yeah, um, then, we could put you and Kendall both in the trailer. I don't ever remember both of us. Being oh no! In there, well, you were almost four years apart. I so remember being weren't. in a bike seat when Kendall was mm, in, in the there. trailer. Okay, and then I remember her getting a bike and me being in the trailer. Okay, and then I remember the trailer. The bike. trailer bike, yeah, and that's what I wanted to talk about. That's that's what this this yoke idea reminds me of. Um, so a trailer bike, if you haven't seen one, is it's it's kind of a bike extension that hitches onto the back the of an adult of a bike. second bike. Yeah, kind of. It's 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 like the trailer, but it has handlebars and a seat and pedals, and and you were able to learn how to balance. Yeah. And you could contribute to the momentum of the bike by I, pedaling. I didn't, but I could have. Could have. Or you can just ride and let your daddy do all the work. Which, why wouldn't I? (laughs) Right? Seems great. And I think this is the kind of picture Jesus paints for us with the yoke. When I'm working with Jesus, the way he intended for me to live my life, pedaling in sync with him, I never have more than I can manage. But if I'm not willing to let him choose the direction and set the pace, then I'm on my own. 
and I'll, I'll never know what it is to be carried along by his strength when I feel overwhelmed by the hills up ahead. Well, and the trailer bike's a great example because it has no front wheel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could probably make that thing go, but not the way it was supposed to no, go. No, And I'd probably have to walk it, and that would be a lot more tiring. Right. Yeah, good point. So we all experience hills in our lives, right? Mm. Difficult seasons. Um, man, I don't do I don't do hills on the bike anymore. I used to just get a real good head of steam up and and, and power up. Yeah, power up and gear down and and push to the top of the hill. Now I'm like, oh, forget it. There's a hill I'm walking my yeah. bike up. <laughs> Not that that's that much fun either, because my bike's old and so it's relatively heavy. But um, I, I I don't know what hills are in your life. Um, do you want to talk about some of your hills? Do I want to talk about some of my hills? Mm. Uh, well, you're the only one here other than the sure, dog. Sure, <laughs> yeah. Um, dog. Yeah, so I struggle a little bit because what I don't want, I talk about mental illness a lot. Mm-hmm. I never want to come across as if I am complaining or be sort of morose. Mm-hmm. Um, but... But part of our goal is to normalize mental illness. Yeah, and to be transparent. I'm a big believer in authenticity. Um, So, yeah, I'm... Bear with me. I am mentally the sickest I've ever been, for sure. Um, To the point that, like, a few months ago, I was fully suicidal. Um, I had vivid... Fantasy is the wrong word, but I could, I could so ideation. ideation is, yeah, the medical term. I could just so clearly see myself doing what would end my life. And I didn't. I promised mom and dad when I was like 15, 14 or 15, that I would never attempt suicide again. And, and I didn't, but oh boy, did I want to. Um, I have relapsed a little bit into self-harm lately. I've been good, but, and my doctor knows all this. I should be clear. Um, the appropriate people in my life know this and I am I am generally pretty safe. I know this is very scary to hear, but <laughs> this is so messed up. Bear with me. When you have been as depressed as I have, as long as I have, suicidal thoughts are are really nothing to write home about. They come every day. They were just worse that day than they've been before. Mm-hmm. Um I hate that for you. Thanks, me too. Um, yeah, you know, I've I've got an eating disorder that I managed to make it to like 28 or 29 before I got one. And I was like, I thought I was home free. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm currently trying to work through some trauma, some of which I don't remember. Uh, I think, I suspect. Um... And, you know, I'm still in a long-distance marriage mm-hmm. to a man on the other side of the world. So it, I think it would be a lot for anybody. Oh, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, I'm having a, I'm having a hard time. Um, one of the frustrating things is, aside from Scott being on the other side of the planet, nothing is necessarily wrong. I'm just sick. Mm-hmm. Um, Although you, when you have been able to be with Scott, you tend to be less depressed. Yeah, I do. I do. Very much so. Um, 
in Australia, I was much more anxious. Mm-hmm. So here it's depression, there it's anxiety, which is like, oh, wow, right. I am, I, I'm spoiled for choice. Um, which is why we're trying so hard to get, get Scott back, back here. here. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, it's it's just it's a difficult season in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people around whew, people around me are having babies. I don't know when my husband and I are going to be able to live in the same continent. Mm-hmm. Um, so even if we were to visit, it's not like I'd, I'd want to get started on having, having family, children. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I have a lot of anxiety and fear around that. Um, it's a difficult season. It, I'm definitely sicker than I've ever been. I think I'm coping... I'm not coping better than I've ever coped, but I'm I'm coping, I'd say, at like 60%, which is actually pretty good. Yeah, considering. Um, yeah. So in a little while, I'm going to ask you how Jesus is meeting you in this season. Okay, thank you for preparing. Uh, but I, yeah, we'll come back to that. Um, so my hills are certainly less intense than yours. Yeah, I, I struggles do, are struggles. I do carry the weight of what yeah. my children carry. Yeah. Right? There's a saying, you're never happier than your unhappiest child. <laughs> um, and w- there's been a lot, right? Because we've been through um, our my daughter, other daughter, Kendall's baby girl has had to have some surgery. Uh, and know, she has quite last... a bit of trauma. Kendall has quite a bit of trauma and, and surrounding stuff around that. that. And yeah. the last surgery was not successful. And then she had to have an emergency surgery. And yeah. it's just, and this little one's been in pain. It's been hard. Yeah. So I carry that. I carry your relationship with Scott and the distance between you and your struggle with mental health and all of that. Plus, I have my own work. Yes. <laughs> and I have a 93-year-old mom who yeah. I spend time with. I want to spend time with her and with my grandchildren. And my resources of time and energy are limited. Yeah. I can't do at 61 what I used to do at 31. It's also worth saying, and I don't want to speak for you, so feel free to, to mm-hmm. shoot this down, but I, I don't know that you're necessarily without <laughs> this sounds brutal. But it's coming My from own me. mental illness. Without mental illness no, yourself, true. I don't oh, for sure. Like if a, if a neurotypical brain is firing on all cylinders, I'm not sure yours is. No, I I would agree with that. I think I think I probably all have always had a low grade anxiety, generalized anxiety disorder. Okay. Um, after I went through two traumas, one in a really difficult church situation yeah. that I've talked about lots on the podcast, and one. Uh, the very catastrophic earthquake in yeah. Haiti. Yeah. Um, I realized I had PTSD, um, which I tried to ignore for quite a long time until I realized. <laughs> which is super bad for that. It doesn't I know, work. <laughs> I know. Well, I talked about it. Yeah. I just didn't want to do meds. I, but then I realized my husband deserted, deserved to be married to a less. Basket case? Yeah. A, <laughs> a less cranky woman. Yes. Yeah. I mean, he had his own trauma that... He did, too. He kicked a car. (laughs) Punched. He punched punched a car. That's way worse. (laughs) Ow! (laughs) And almost got into a literal fist fight with a woman in Marion Costco. It was very brief. It was very shortly after he'd gotten home from significant trauma. And right after that, he went for counseling and started working through Yeah, he... And and this is is not a violent man. This is significant because he is not a violent man at all. No, no. Not in any way, shape, or form. So, yeah. Anyway, all that to say, 
um, you know, looking back, knowing, learning more through my PTSD uh, diagnosis and learning more about anxiety, looking back on my life, I realize I have always had some anxiety. So yeah, I mean, yeah, there are times that I really don't want to get out of bed in the morning. Thankfully, I, I, uh, I'm able to talk myself and talk with Jesus to the point where um, I, I'm coping, I would say, fairly well, although I am still medicated yep. and always will be because, uh, I mean, I plan to wean off uh, meds after the earthquake. After My doctor made me promise to stay on for a year. Good. And my plan was to get off, but then my sister and my dad were diagnosed with cancer. and You had your very first panic attack. I had, yeah, and I had so much going on. Um, and by the time you've stayed on for five years, it's really difficult for your brain to replace those chemicals, so they really don't. My doctor does not want me to. Yeah, stop. no, so, I'm on, and you know what? If you can't produce your own... If you can't produce your own reuptake inhibitors, yeah, store bought is fine. Yeah, yeah, right. Better living through chemistry. I r really do believe that. Um, I don't think it's any difference than than insulin for diabetes or glasses for poor vision. So agreed. Anyway, wow, that was a bit of a bunny trail. Yeah, but, sorry. Um, no, that's fine. It's it's fine. Um, but back to the idea of hills. You know, there may be people out there. I can't imagine it, but maybe there are people without mental illness. Victoria, um, <laughs> my cousin doesn't. She even texted me. She's about this video I made about depression recently. And she even texted me and was like, you know, obviously I can't understand what you're going through because I'm, I'm mentally quite healthy. And I'm like, that's weird. How is that possible? I mean, I'm so glad. Don't get me yeah. wrong. I don't want her to be sick, but like, how? <laughs> she also just had a very traumatic birth. Yeah, but she wasn't really, she wasn't really aware of there. the trauma. However, her husband was yeah. quite traumatized and, and yeah, is, he had to... is doing some counseling. And anyway, him. whatever your hills are, whether you have mental illness or not, um, you know, maybe you've got crushing financial pressure. Maybe you, you're in a marriage that's coming unglued, or, or maybe you're just trying to survive um, the stormy adolescence of, of a child in your home. N none of these issues, none of our issues are too big or too complicated for Jesus. And nor did any of our circumstances uh, in our lives catch him by surprise. He wants to, us to share our burdens with him. His invitation to share your load with him was spoken 2,000 years ago, but it stands today. Mm -hmm. He wants everyone to experience his peace, both the peace, peace with God and the peace of God. And those are two very different things. And I want to just explain what those are. So peace with God is the rest that comes by surrendering our, our wills to him. It's saying, I don't want to plow through life alone anymore, God. I'm weary. I'm ready to be yoked to Jesus and to allow him to set the direction and the pace for my life. It's acknowledging that I am unable to live a life pleasing to God or even satisfying to myself independent of God. It's receiving his unconditional love for me, demonstrated by Jesus' death on the cross. It's receiving his forgiveness for my wrongdoing and the peace that comes from beginning again with, with a clean page. Now, I realize some of our listeners um, have come to this place of surrender. They've invited Jesus into their lives. They're already yoked to him. You have peace with God, and yet the peace of God somehow escapes you. And I know I fall into this rut myself um, from time to time. So let me just remind us all of God's strategy for experience the peace of God. 
This is outlined for us in um, Paul's letter to the Philippians, chapter 4. He said, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. If you do this, you will experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. When we implement the strategy, we're simply saying to God, okay, Lord, I'm not pedaling anymore <laughs> on the back of the bike. I can't do it. I'm giving this concern over to you to carry for me. I accept your peace to guard my heart from allowing this particular issue I'm worried about to steal my sleep or my joy from now on. And I'm here to tell you from personal experience that it works. It comes from knowing God is in control that he loves me and always acts for my ultimate good. I can call out to God any time panic or worry overtakes me, and I can find rest. So some of us just need to get into the habit of exchanging our anxiety for the peace of God. But maybe there's either, either, either yourself or someone in your life isn't in a relationship with Jesus mm -hmm. where that peace is available because we haven't yet made our peace with God. And I want to invite you to do that. It's not difficult. It's the most profound thing you can ever do, but it couldn't be less complex. It just involves letting God know your willingness to surrender your will to him. It's accepting his forgiveness and love and committing to live his way from now on. And you just do this in a prayer. The words aren't even important because God knows what's going on in your heart. You could say something like this. Jesus, I'm weary of trying to balance all of life demands on my own. I'm ready to surrender my whole self to you and to live life on your terms. I thank you for dying on the cross for me so that I could be forgiven for the wrong things that I've done. I gladly accept the yoke of Jesus and the promise of rest that you give in return. If you decide you want a relationship with Jesus or you know someone who might benefit from listening to this, mm -hmm. share this podcast and, and be sure, be sure to talk to that person who invited you to listen to this podcast or even connect with me on Facebook. It's always so good to share when you make a big turn in your life. Mm -hmm. Getting, uh, spending time getting to know Jesus Remember what he wants to teach you. He does that. He teaches us when we read his love letter, the Bible, and when we share with him what's going on in our own heart through prayer. The degree to which we pray about everything is the degree to which we will experience his peace. Mm -hmm. So coming back, circling back to how Jesus has shown up for you. Do you have a few words for us? I think Jesus has shown up for me by... Just basically giving me endless soft places to land. Mm. Um, like having to switch jobs when I didn't particularly want to. Um, and and I took a lot of a lot of rejection and, and uh difficult feelings to mm -hmm. process mm -hmm. with that. Um technically my very first day of unemployment, I got a call asking me to interview the next day. And mm. I didn't even apply. That's amazing. Um, that is God very clearly being like, this is scary. I've got you. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and you've experienced that so many times in your life. And he, I, I'm so grateful that he really beats me over the head with it. <laughs> he's, he's not subtle, and I'm grateful for that. Um, and and you know, even before we got to that point, I was. I felt pretty peaceful about it. And that was just such an extra gift. So that type of thing. Mm -hmm. So that principle of exchanging your anxiety for God's Mm -hmm. peace. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that is it for us today on Grow on the Go. Remember to subscribe on your favorite app, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or iHeartRadio. And you can listen anytime using the MyJoy Radio app. I'm Kevin Pankhurst. And I'm Donna Carter. Thanks for listening to Grow on the Go. Share this episode on social media and find more great programs at faithstrongtoday.com.